The Radical Secular, a podcast dedicated to the separation of church and state. For full video episodes, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to The Radical Secular. My name is Sean Prophet. This is our seventh episode, and I'm here with my co-host, Christoph Defoe. How are you doing, Christoph? I'm doing all right here in Jersey City. And we have a special guest today, Joseph Okipinti, who is coming to us from Massachusetts. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you doing? Good. Uh, And we're here to talk about a bunch of things today, but mostly we're here to talk about COVID. And uh, I think Joe has some specific expertise in this area. He is someone who uh, I connected with on Facebook uh, a number of years ago, but actually he's someone who started doing some early research and early warnings, actually, of uh, what was going on and, uh, you know, really brought that to a lot of people's attention. So, uh, especially he produced some videos with uh, some good charts and graphs and also some tools, some modeling tools that he came up with. So uh, we're really glad to have him here for this conversation. Thank you for having me. For sure. And so first of all, I think we want, might want to start off with some uh, of our show notes. And the, the first thing I want to talk about is that we are now up on iTunes and we have, uh, are we, are, we are a podcast. So. Woo! Everybody can listen to us now anywhere you are in the car. Uh, we're also on Stitcher and Spotify, and I think it's just proliferating. We're, we're, we're adding new podcast uh, uh, venues all the time. I think even Amazon is going to have a podcast channel and Google. So we should be in all of those places. And I also want to talk about something else, and that is that we are creating a promo for the Radical Secular for our YouTube channel. That's something that, we, that is a good introduction. I started working on it this past week. And really what it is, is to sort of establish, you know, how the United States became a, a hierarchy, the hierarchy that it is, and, and you know, what are, are the struggle for civil rights and, and, and how that relates to, you know, secularism. And so I, I th- I'm really excited about this. It might, it might take a little while to get this put together because, uh, but I think it's gonna be a real, a real good showcase for, for our channel. I just wanted to, uh, uh, you know, just to jump in on the show notes uh, element also is I wanted to plug the uh, Just Words Fallacy uh, blog. So um, this is a blog that I started at the beginning of the year, but that we are going to try and use uh, as basically sort of a narrative companion to the radical secular, right? So um, uh, the goal right now, and this is definitely still in progress, I posted a, a new article on Thursday, and in that it is called Floydian Slip. And it is a article about uh, my ex- personal experience uh, dealing with the post-Floyd undulation, the craziness that happened afterward, and so and, and from an African American person's perspective, as a black man's perspective. So that is sort of the opening salvo. But the goal, and I'm sort of heading that up uh, to, to some extent. And the goal is going to be to put something out every Thursday. Um, and, uh, and, and, and eventually get other people to, uh, to write. Right. So we, so we want them to have this be a, a showcase of various different ideas, but the themes are very much on radical secular sort of themes, right? So secularism living in a living a life from a secular perspective, right? So, so that means, so that means, uh, how does one approach problems? How does one, uh, um, uh, find 
solace in 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 in, in sort of uh, meaning in a in a secular lifestyle, right? Um, and so there's that stuff and a, a whole and a whole kind range of things, but sort of that is what we are going to be launching, and I'm pretty excited about it. Please check it out. It's going to be on Medium. Um, medium, uh, medium.com backslash just words fallacy, just words fallacy. Um, so please do check that out. That's my, uh, my little plug for our, uh, second project. Yes. And, and actually I, I just want to say that I, I read the article and I thought it was brilliant. And, you know, you were mentioning, you were talking about it, uh, earlier that you were working on it. And, um, I was just, you know, at once I saw it, it was like, wow, it really, it was a wow moment. And a lot of other people have said that. I mean, I read some comments on Facebook, people talking about, you know, saving it to show to their future children. So that was, that's quite, that's some high praise, man. Yeah. Yes. And and thank you. I had the same reaction when I read it. I thought it was really just a very worthwhile, very important uh, voice that you were, you were, uh, you're putting out there. And uh, I thought, I found it um, very thought provoking. I really had to think about what you said and think about my own life as I read it. I appreciate that, guys. I really do, and 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 I, I you know, it, like, I hope everybody else will read it and take a, take a look, and um, you know, that may it won't be it won't be the just words fallacy isn't exclusively that kind of content. That's just one post, but uh, but I do appreciate uh, appreciate everybody who has read it, and I hope uh, others will. Yeah, well, and I don't want to I, I I don't want to seal your thunder, but you came up with a very very good uh, explanation for uh, just words fallacy, and I wondered if you want to share that with our audience because what that word what what that title means it's actually has a couple of different meanings that I think are really relevant to uh, secularism. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the, well, I think one of the 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 sort of the biggest theme there is, and and this sort of is dovetails very well with what we talk about here on the radical secular, and that is. Uh, the idea that the way things are just the, the just words fallacy is a play on the just world fallacy, right? And the just world fallacy is one of my, oh boy, this is one of the ham, the, 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 the axes that I have to grind this idea that the way that the world exists today as it, as the hierarchy, especially as, as it exists today is that way because it's inevitable that way because it's a good thing and that's the way it ought to be and that it and that is and it implies that it is unchangeable that we ought not try to change it um and that is i think the uh the antithesis i think of secularism it's the antithesis of what we're talking about here on the on the just words i'm sorry on the uh, radical secular so um that is sort of the 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 thrust the theme of the just words fallacy um so and again I think this has a lot of implications for for secularism and a secular lifestyle, um, and uh, and so yeah, I mean, I, also for di- for dismantling hierarchy, right? Because <clears throat> what happens is is that is that when people believe that things uh, being the way they are is the way they should be, then that allows them to um, very very easily move into victim blaming. Uh, if something bad happened to you, you must have done something to deserve it. And that that goes into the whole, you know, the law of karma, this uh, the Eastern reincarnation thing. It's it just it, it is it is a broadly bad idea that underlies so many other bad ideas that, that are in the world. And, you know, these are things that we we have to we have to address and we have to fix these things, because <clears throat> as I was just starting to to discuss this week. Has Go ahead. Been, yeah been quite the week for, um, <laughs> for for theocracy and for for, you know, just really open openly, um, you know, almost illegal, you know, like, like just, just very, very norm busting things, you know, having to do with, with the, the race between Trump and Biden. I mean, Trump just said, you know, 
uh, Joe Biden is going to hurt the Bible. He's going to take away your guns, you know, all this stuff. But, but the, the, the fact that, that, that we've got one um, major party nominee who is accusing the other of being against God, and then you've got all of Trump's surrogates like, like Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley was on, a, you know, there's this, this guy, David Brody. And David Brody, by the way, is really putting himself on the map right now. He's a, a, a journalist with uh, CBN. I guess I use the term journalist loosely because mm-hmm. uh, CBN isn't exactly a, a, a news <laughs> network. But they're, you know, networks like CBN are going to be becoming much more relevant uh, you know, the more theocratic our government gets, because now all of a sudden, you know, you've got all these, these, you know, hardcore Christians who are part of our government and they're doing things that are making news. And so you got somebody like David Brody, who, you know, was previously a, a religion journalist and he's now becoming a, a full on political journalist. So his uh, interview this week with Nikki Haley, <clears throat> um, Haley says, Quote, everything happens for a reason. I think God sometimes places people for lessons and sometimes places people for change. Boom. And that's the just words fallacy, right? And that there, there you go, right? Everything happens for a reason, right? Like, the, like that's the just world fallacy, right? This idea that like, no, everything is the way it ought to be, right? There is a plan, right? It's God's plan, right? God's and, plan. And, and that is so dangerous, so dangerous. Well, you know, I mean, like, like a lot of people don't really understand that um, the Third Reich was a very religious regime. I mean, their, mm-hmm. their, their basically slogan was Gott mit uns, which means God with us. And so you're seeing this very same uh, uh, type of rhetoric coming out of the Trump administration. And just the parallels just are just piling up, piling up. <laughs> they really are. It's astonishing. At a basic cognitive level, also, it just, it just cuts off rational thinking because here you have it right here it's all explained to you it's all right there in a nice neat package and you don't have to think you don't have to examine you don't have to question because uh, it's all there for you and and it's being and again it's being conveyed from this hierarchical standpoint where it's coming from an authority very powerful authority that cannot be questioned and this even pervades at level for people who aren't really all that religious People who aren't really involved in religious, uh, you know, practices are still, you know, expressing themselves in ways that are very religious without even knowing it and thinking in those ways without questioning them. So true, man. Like that, like that is, that is so critical because I think it's so easy for folks to say like, oh, well, I'm not religious or I'm religious, but, you know, I, I, I'm just into the traditions or whatever. But it's about the thinking. It's about the thinking. Right. It's about the willingness to say like, oh, because I was told X, Y, and Z, right? Because that person has authority, right? It's the argument from authority, right? That reason that that person, because the person above me in the hierarchy said it, it must be true. And therefore, and I cannot question it, right? And, 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 and also, interestingly, it also works down, which means, look, everyone below me in the hierarchy, right? Doesn't get to question me, right? Like, I don't right. take the I don't take what they say seriously. It doesn't matter. They're supposed to shut up and listen to me. And that is that kind of thinking, I think, is pervasive in, 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 in areas that we don't think, right? We don't think that liberals think this way. We don't think that progressives think this way. But I think in a lot of, term, lot of ways, they do. And we have to sort of ask ourselves these difficult questions. They absolutely do. In fact, that's why I wore the T-shirt today, you know. Oh, yes, the T-shirts. Yeah. You know, don't, you don't have to follow the hierarchy. You don't have to submit to it. You don't have to follow the laws and rules set up by societies because that is exactly what you're saying, Christophe, that it, it, it trickles down and it's on, you know, it's, it's at an unconscious or subconscious level. We just assume this is the way we're supposed to be. Now, I, I tell a lot of my students that 
there's two basic ways of approaching how to understand the world. And the religious way and the ideological way is this is the way the world should be. Mm-hmm. The world should be this way. Right. And here's my moral sort of matrix that shows you how the world should be. But what I tell my students is why not approach approach it more in terms of what is what is the world like? How is the world actually, right? right. Observation. Right. And that's how science essentially the, the premise behind science. And those two things really are uh, are, you know, it's obviously a, a simplified, but they do oppose each other and they do frame the way people look at the world. Well, yeah. And, and, and uh, to your point on, uh, you know, on the shirt, like uh, Rosa Parks said, no, nah, not, no. not happening. Not going to do, do that. Not happening. The power of one of the power of no, the power of, uh, of saying, this is not just, this is not a just world and I'm not going to stand for it. Right. And I'm not going to pretend that it is just right. Like, so the, right. Because like, and, and, and that's, and, and that is, again, I, I, I keep harping on the just word, just world fallacy, but like, right. Like this it's really, idea. It's really important. That, <clears throat> yeah. And, and this is, this is why conservatives reaction to protesting is so virulent, right? Because, because what protesters are saying is no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with this. Like, right. Like, and so what they're saying is like, your hierarchy up there, I don't think you're right, you know, and there is nothing that upsets conservatives or people who are very committed to the status quo or very committed to a orderly hierarchical system. There's nothing more offensive to them than that. Right. So so what they have to do, because the the protesters bring up legitimate topics. Right. Uh, uh, Certainly Rosa Parks certainly was right. Like these are legitimate grievances. Right. So what you have to do then is then is demonize the people. Right. That's so. So now they're not protesting justice. They're anarchists. Right. Which is just just plainly not true. Every time. Every time. Every damn time. You can count on it. And and they also straw man a lot. Like, with, for example, with, absolutely with Occupy Wall Street, they're like, "What do they want? We have no idea what they want. Why are they so angry?" You know, and it's just like, it's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this t- <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, it's just laughable. This, this whole other libertarian sort of freedom idea. Oh, the libertarian. Oh, that's another one of our favorite people to beat up on. Hierarchical. We yeah, we 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 rip on libertarians all the time. <laughs> They are the worst, the worst, because like you say, Joe, like these, the hierarchy is built into libertarianism, right? It is, it, it, it is a, it is, it is a, it, libertarianism is like a meditation on defense of hierarchy is really what it is, right? Because like, what it is is saying that like, no, 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 right? The, like the, it's a natural law sort of argument, right? It's like, it's like a sort of a survival of the fittest type of argument, but basically it's the idea that like, wait, that's how we should basically hi- like sort of the way the market allocates resources is just right. And so we should just deal with that. And everyone who's suffering should just like, as uh, not Ron Paul, I think Rand Paul said, let the, literally let them die. Literally let them die if they can't get health insurance. Right. It, it's a feudal system, right? It is actually, libertarianism is feudalism. Might makes right. The system will sort itself out. You'll have the right people on top, the right people in the middle, the right people at the bottom, and everything is going to be hunky-dory. Exactly, exactly. Well, and at an even deeper level, it's predicated on free will, right? Mm-hmm. Libertarianism, ostensibly, is all about free will. I have the Absolutely. right to choose my life the way I want it. And yet, at the same time, it's deeply embedded in this hierarchy, which is actually all about determined life. Sure. Somebody's telling you how to live. So, Absolutely. So giving you this, you know, this ultimatum, you must live this way. So true. And, and this is actually... 
you know, it's, it's not examined. They're not examining this, this contradiction. Absolutely. What you just said, you said, uh, you know, the, the idea of this, uh, this idea of in libertarianism, libertarian thought that we ought to right. So it might makes right. Um, the, I, but most of this idea of like, I should just be able to do whatever I want. Right. Like, like any kind of restriction on me, regardless of my, the externalities that I impose upon society, I should be able to do whatever I want. And this, I want to tie this into my t-shirt. I know that was a weird segue, but here we are because I'm wearing a t-shirt today, which is a Norton uh, motorcycle t-shirt. I have never ridden a Norton motorcycle. They're really nice and really rare. I do not have that. I, but my wife and I, um, lovely wife, she's a beautiful woman. We're going on a uh, trip. We're going on a motorcycle trip tomorrow. Uh, we're headed out on a BMW 1200 GS adventure. I love that motorcycle. Uh, we're going to go up to the Catskills, but that's not even why I'm wearing this shirt, although it is tied in. The real reason why I'm wearing this shirt is because of Sturgis Motorcycle Rally is happening this weekend. And there is a bunch of overweight white Trump supporters on their way on their $30,000 Harley Davidson's that they like to pretend there's like some sort of bad boy image. Oh, I just ride around on my chopper. But really, it's like, look, you're the most privileged people on the planet. You're riding around. You're right. That's why you're overweight. You're you're also. And by the way, I'm not fat shaming here. These these are unhealthy people, right? And also, clearly, I'm going to ride my ex extremely expensive motorcycle to this middle of nowhere where we're going to meet up with 250,000 other people during a fucking pandemic. I mean, the most the arrogance and selfishness and, and entitlement, like in that sort of mindset is astonishing, staggering, frankly. And, and this really ties into what we're going to be talking about in terms of coronavirus, because, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Think about the timing, right? This is happening right before the school year starts. Unreal. You're, you're getting this, this influx of, of COVID uh, uh, increases right at the time, because that's when people are going to be active, right? What, what you really are interested in is who is infectious at that moment, right? Not the absolute right. That will determine how bad the pandemic gets. And so here they are. They bring it back to their communities right at the time when everyone is dying schools. Exactly. It, it, I mean, there's, I know that you did a lot of this modeling early on, but uh, these types of super spreader events where you get, you know, a large concentration of people, um, what does that do to the models? Well, that speaks to one of the things I wanted to talk about today is if you really want to understand or make some kind of prediction about where this is going, you have to think about um, the fact that this is a nonlinear phenomenon, that the way right. that the virus propagates is not easily modeled. I mean, we, we do have uh, certain models about how, let's say, the flu, um, you know, uh, you know, basically the, how the flu goes every year and so forth. And we can use those models to try to, you know, model what's happening with, with, um, with COVID. But there's a lot of differences between the flu and COVID. First of all, with the flu, you don't have these social distancing measures. You don't have all of this energy that's been put into trying to suppress the spread, right? So that's a whole dimension of unknowables, you know, about what's going to happen in the future. Right. So just just to lay it out a little bit, if you don't mind. Right. You give me no, no, please. That's why that's why you're here, man. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, you maybe want to give a little bit of background too, and like about who you are and like your background. Yeah, I and can do that. Just to, right. to do that. So uh, I, I'm an academic. I've been teaching geography uh, for about uh, 20, 22 years, something like that. 
And I started out, you know, I graduated from McGill University with a degree in um, human geography, and I focused on ethnic studies and issues of race and gender and so forth. But then as I started teaching, you know, right away, I was, I, you know, I had the opportunity to, t- to teach weather and climate. And I'm like, hey, that was a hobby of mine when I was a kid. So, wow, let me take that up. And so I got into more of the natural sciences within geography. Geography has two different sort of sides to it. One is physical geography, which is like, you know, geomorphology and, and climatology and, and those kinds of and epidemiology, those those, you know, kind of issues. And the other side is human geography, like politics and religion and culture and so forth. And so I started teaching a lot more in that. And, as, and over the years, I just learned. I, I just taught myself. And, and then in order to be able to teach my students, and I started taking postgraduate courses and started taking GIS and uh, spatial analysis and so forth. When this pandemic came along, it was an opportunity for me to use it as an example for one of my classes. Mm. So I'm like, oh, there's a pandemic. Yeah, this pandemic's uh, scares all the time, but you know, whatever, I'll take a look to see what is going on. And I'm just, so I went on online and I started researching what was happening in China. And I said to myself, Oh my God, this is real. This is not, this is not a false alarm. Uh, this is, this is real shit. Wow. And I, what and what I month was this? When was this that you first, for, for the, you first decided this Actually, was really, I, I first heard about it in December. December? By early January, because it was before my semester started. I, w- I was preparing my courses. And I started looking into it sort of mid-January. By mid-January, I was already convinced this is, this is going to be a really serious situation. Wow. And I started out my class that first day of class. And I said, folks, you know, I want to tell you something. There's, there's this issue going on in the world, and we're going to pay atten- a lot of attention to it. And we may not make it through the whole semester this year. They may cancel school. And people were looking at me, my students were rolling their eyes, right? Yeah, I'll bet they're like, what? Oh, that's what happened. And a few of them said, wow, how did you know? You were right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to Just say, the signs. this is very, very interesting because I have to say that um, I initially um, was telling Joe that I didn't believe him. And that's a skepticism fail on my part, because normally I like I get I'm pretty, pretty good about understanding what's happening in the world. I feel, you know, I have a pretty good track record. Uh, but in the, on this one, I, I completely missed it because he, uh, you know, he, he was laying out these dire scenarios. And this was really before anyone was paying attention. Of course, um, you know, president knew January 3rd. Right. So um, but. The rest of the world didn't. The rest of the rest of the world. I mean, we we had all of our concerns. You know, we were running our business. We're doing this and that. And uh, you know, th- this is what we were thinking about. You know, just like just making the rent, making payroll, doing all the things that we do. You know, that was that was what was going on. And so all of a sudden, here comes here comes Joe on my Facebook feed saying the world as we know it has changed forever. And I'm going, what? No, yeah. we're, we're you know like. Like, obviously, okay, fine. Like, okay, maybe everybody just has to get it. I remember actually saying that. Maybe everybody just has to get this. It can't be that bad. It's only like 1% fatalities. I mean, like, you know, and then, and then all of a sudden we started conversing about it and understanding what a 1% fatality actually means, you know, and, and especially compared to the flu, which was like a one-tenth of a percent fatality, right? And so... Uh, it, bad flu. What? That would be a bad flu, 1.1%. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so this, so this is already like immediately 10 times worse than the flu. And I'm sitting here trying to wrap my head. And what, what it really was is I had cognitive dissonance. 
Mm. I actually had a case of cognitive dissonance because I was like, okay, this means if this is true, then this means the entire country is going to have to shut down. This means that everything is going to have to stop. We, we can't possibly do that. So therefore, it's not true. You know, mm. and that was my initial reaction for probably maybe a week as we were conversing about it. And um, all of a sudden it dawned on me, shit, this is not uh, a drill. This is not a drill. But to your credit, you saw the evidence and you adapted. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Right? Yeah, absolutely. So that's so important. That's so important, guys, because this is what we're talking about here on the radical secular, right? That's what the just words fallacy is all about. We're talking about a lifestyle, right? A way of a lifestyle which involves questioning one's own beliefs, right? Like, yeah. right, like 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 especially, especially when we're fighting hard hard to defend those beliefs, there's a really good question, a really good chance that you should be think, you should look at, look into those beliefs a little bit more and get honest with yourself. Right. And, and, and I think that is a really critical sort of skill that I think that is like appallingly lacking across the entire human civilization, but uh, certainly across religious. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I, I, this is, I'm, I'm just listening. This is fascinating stuff. No, no, no. But Sean, to, I mean, uh, skepticism is an essential part of, of science and, and understanding nature in the world, right? You, ha- you have to have a certain sense of skepticism. It has to be built in. Otherwise, you know, your imagination can run wild. You can, you can just fly off yeah. that and, and believe anything. But there's That's, two ways. There's two ways. Skepticism is not the problem. The problem is have, being able to assess the information and the data mm-hmm. and be willing to open your mind and change your mind when the data says, I was wrong. Right? Well, That's the key. There's two ways to fail as a skeptic, right? One is to jump to a conclusion and uh, without enough evidence or in spite of contrary evidence, jump to that conclusion because you like it, whatever. The Mm -hmm. other is to be presented with evidence that is overwhelming and then fail to reach a conclusion. Both of those things are just as bad as each other. They're not, not, it's not like, you know, everybody goes, don't jump to conclusions, but they don't look at the other side, failing to come to a conclusion. Yeah, and with that, I mean, the, the, the whole problem, I think, I mean, one of the issues is that there's no scientific literacy in this society. We are really mm-hmm. lacking in it. So when we get this data, we don't know what to do with it. And that's what happened with the pandemic. People did not understand. The science was happening real time. And when science happens real time and there's new science, it's messy as shit. Right, it's all over the place. People yeah, are arguing yeah. with each other. There's contradictions. People are making mistakes. That's science. And then over time, the system, the process of it, comes together, and something comes out of that, and becomes a con- uh, more or less a consensus that yes, this is the phenomena that we're seeing. That takes time. It happened with climate change o- over many years in the 80s, right in the 90s. It took time to develop what would an under- a science-based understanding of what was happening. The same thing happened with COVID, but much, much quicker, of course. And at first, you know, people were looking at the craziness in, 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 in so much, you know, conflicting information. Should we wear masks? Should we not wear masks? How is this, you know, how does this disease propagate? How do you catch it? You know, all these things. And we still, there's a lot we still don't know, but we're coming to understand a lot more than we did. And so this is p- perfect fodder for anti-science Oh, yeah. Skeptics to say, look, science sucks. Right. It's flawed. Right. And and they can hammer right in there. 
and say, look, look at these things. Look, you know, Fauci said this two months ago, and now he's saying this. Oh, yeah. Science was wrong before. Science was wrong before. It's such a, you know, uh, that is a, a, a quintessential fallacy that is that is uh, used by the anti-science movement, you know, and people in general. You know, oh, so-and-so made a mistake. What they don't understand is that, is that science is only mistakes, right? <laughs> science is, science, right. Everything, it's, everything you do in science is basically, you, know, you try something, you prove it wrong. You try something, you prove it wrong. You try something, you prove it wrong. You don't ever actually prove things right. You just correlate uh, uh, you know, what observations with a theory. And, and, and so it's a basic misunderstanding of how, uh, how science works. And so with this pandemic and some of the most sophisticated critiques coming from the anti-science crowd are saying, look, there's no evidence that masks actually stop COVID. And you know what? They were right in the beginning. There was no evidence right, for a while. But what there was was characteristics. And science works both with evidence and characteristics, right? Mm. We know the characteristics of infectious diseases. We do mm. know that. That's well established over centuries, right? We know the characteristics of, of certain viruses and how they propagate. We know the characteristics of social systems that interact, that sort of meet those viruses as a challenge. We had enough information to, to sort of speculate in, in a reasonable and logical way what would happen with this pandemic or why masks were a good thing, even before we had the actual evidence that proved it per, per se. But in that interim period, there's all that room for these people to say, oh, no, there's not enough evidence. There is no evidence. You're making this right. shit up. But right. science is also about understanding the properties of nature. And that's sure. the massive, incredible database that we already have, right? We understand a lot of these properties. And so you can take that and you can say, well, look, this is what we need to obviously verify with, with evidence. This is critically important. We need to make, have these studies. But in the meantime, we know, you know, we can look at, you know, analogs of other you know, pandemics and so forth and say, well, this is why this is really serious. So when I was first looking at this, I'm not, you know, I am not an epidemiologist, although I teach it in my courses, but I'm not, that's not my profession. But what I do do is I know who to listen to. I know what's mm -hmm. real science and what isn't. That's what I've learned. And I know what to trust and not what not to trust. And this is what, what I, so almost like, um, like a journalistic thing, you know, like a science reporter. That's what I was doing, you know. What, I, what I'm telling you is nothing that comes from me. What I'm telling you is a synopsis of what I have seen real experts in the field, not doctors, because doctors, doctors are all about treating individuals. And mm. not about epidemiology, right? So mm -hmm. when you have all of these people say, well, this doctor says that COVID isn't all that well, bad or whatever, it's just bullshit. This, this thing, this is what really gets me is that, you know, you have this, you have this, um, there's always on the other side, um, whether it's Trumpers or anti-scientists or, or the climate deniers or anything else like that, they always trot out these, these fake experts, you know, who, who it's like, oh, this person has this credential and that credential and they said so and so and they disagree with the consensus and so therefore we should question the consensus. But it's always a minority viewpoint. And, and, you know, you can get anyone to come on uh, a TV and say anything if you offer them grant money or, or whatever it is. You know, uh, these, these think tanks, you know, they hire these guys and, uh, you know, they'll say anything. And it's like uh, they'll prostitute their, their scientific credentials. They don't care. They're not even they've, – they've abandoned any effort at, at peer review or, or scientific credibility. Exactly. 
Absolutely. And, you know, and I, 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 I'd like to just chime in here and say like, you know, the, the, one of my favorites also, it, this is not science, but it's the same, same concept that you're talking about, Sean. And that is sort of the Candace Owens. Yeah. Right. Oh right, right. It's the same idea. Right. And as if like you trot out, like, cause conservatives do this all the time. Another one of the favorites is Morgan Freeman. Apparently like, you know, the, the quote he did, like it was years ago and he said, and Morgan Freeman said something along the lines of, I don't want to talk about race. I, I wish everybody would just stop talking about it. Okay. And so like, now you have all conservatives say like, no, we should just not talk about race. Right. Morgan Freeman said it. Right. right. Like, right. He, and, and also he also is a safe black guy. He's a real safe black guy that I like. Right. Yeah. And, Terry and he Crew. actually played God before, which is great. Yeah. He played God. <laughs> Ter- Terry Crews. <laughs> Terry Crews is another guy who's really very likable and is a good host and everything else like that. And uh, he came out and he said something very similar, you know, uh, uh, that Black Lives Matter was trying to claim that black lives were better and which is a complete straw man, completely wrong. It's just you know? a straw man. Like, and, 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 and yet you have what, what what do those two have in common? They're rich. <laughs> yeah exactly they're exactly. rich and so they don't have to care right exactly well, I, exactly I think what the right uh, does is they can hijack the pageantry of science mm. right? the, the look of science the the glory of science they can hijack it and they'll do that at the same time they discredit it and it doesn't matter to them right they will discredit science and say it's bogus with one sentence and the next sentence they'll justify it be- through their bogus science so right. without, without even missing a beat, I've seen this over and over again. But they will, they will be, they're able to do that because because we're lacking scientific literacy and people cannot critically assess, you know, the difference between yeah, you know, this and real science. Yeah, well, and 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 it goes beyond that because like there's actually an ecosystem the way that uh, of, of of how information propagates. And um, one of those, one of the ways it's like, you know, the, the, a great example of it was what, you know, when you first started and you sounded the alarm and then I had to, I had to figure it out. I had to sign on to the fact that, you know, okay, this is real. Now, what am I going to do about it? And then I had other people who I'm talking to who are smart guys, you know, smart, smart women, everybody you like, like I'm, I'm, uh, uh, you know, having these conversations and everybody is going through the same denial that I was going through. You know, and I had to, like, I had a friend who, you know, who's, who kept saying, oh, it's a nothing burger, you know, it's just, blah, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I had to have the same dialogue with him that you had with me, you know, and, mm. uh, and now he's, he's very, very uh, on board with all of it. And he understood, you know, he actually like went so far as to like sell all the stocks, you know, and, 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 and understand that this was going to have a huge impact on the economy. Uh, so, you know, but, but this, this propagation of information, like, uh, you know, if, if, the smart people can't figure it out. How are the science deniers ever going to get it? That's a great point. And they exactly. won't. And this goes to that framing issue that you were talking about earlier, Joe, right? This idea mm-hmm. that there's two ways to frame people that, that way people frame and understand the world. There's one based on hierarchy and revelation, and there's one based on, uh, based on uh, critical thought and, 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 and sort of analysis and, and, uh, and, and critical thinking, critical thinking. And, and so, we are in an environment where, where, like you keep saying, Joe, and I think it's, it's an important point to keep hitting is that there is no scientific literacy in, in, in uh, you know, it just sort of discouraged so much so that we actually import our scientists typically from other countries that have really good science programs, right? Um, uh, it, it, to, 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 to MIT or wherever else. So I think it's really, really important to sort of keep hitting on that because I think it, it's so critical to, to, that people learn how to think. So in terms of this pandemic, to get back to your point, Christoph, what you asked me mm-hmm. earlier, is how do we assess risk here, right? Mm. And in order to assess risk, we have to understand the nature of this phenomenon, right? And it's not like a bell curve. 
right? It's not a nice, simple bell curve or a normal distribution, right? That's not how it works. If you, if you, you know, toss a coin a thousand times and you, and you, and you, you plot that, you'll get a nice, nice, beautiful distribution and you can estimate where the average is. And if you're going to do it again, if you roll another thousand coins, you can pretty much guess what it's going to be, right? And, and then on the top, you, you know, it'd be 500, it'll be the, the, the average, but then it goes down exponentially to negligible on either side, either approaching zero or approaching a thousand. That's not how this works. Because when you flip a coin once, then the next coin that you flip is independent of the, the coin you flipped earlier. There's no connection there. But with viral spread, there's an absolute connection. In fact, there are multiple connections about what happens next, depending on what's happened before. Right. So rather than having a nice bell curve like this, what you have is called a fat tail curve, where is one end you could have, you know, an incredible amount of spread and death and the other end very little. But as you approach as a number, as the deaths go up, that's one of those recursive elements that then determines what will happen next. So the more cases you have, then, then the, the projection changes and gets worse. So as the cases increase, eventually you could get to the point where this could go out of, get out of control. And once you cross a certain threshold with this kind of nonlinear phenomena, then uh, the, the likelihood of 10,000 people dying may not be any different than a billion people dying. It's not like you go off in the extremes and right, right. or 10 or 990 getting 999 could be a greater percentage than getting 552 right at that point because once you cross that threshold you have all of these recursive elements that are coming in and shaping what happens next you have you know the 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 current spread number of infectious people you've got what's happening with social distancing measures right? Mask wearing and all that stuff. You've got the properties of the virus itself. And also that, that these properties are dynamic. They're not fixed. They can change, right? So in the end, if you, if you were going to use a normal distribution, first of all, you would need to have, you know, a sample of a several hundred pandemics, which, which we don't have, right? We don't have that. But even okay. if we did, it wouldn't, make, it wouldn't make a difference. It would not be predictive, right? What we know with these, um, with these uh, nonlinear phenomena is that they can explode and they can get massive, right? And it's not less, the, the chances of that happening are not any less than this being just a, you know, mere pandemic. It could, in fact, they're actually greater as that number approaches uh, a greater length. Does that I think make any sense? Yeah, well, I, yes, I, I, it does. Fascinating. I follow, I follow uh, most of what you're saying. I think that, you know, um, I think, one thing that uh, that you've talked about before, I know, and that I didn't hear you mention today was the repro number and how that how that plays into what's going on with the pandemic and the spread. I wonder if you could explain that a little bit for our viewers. Right. Every infectious agent has a reproductive number. So if their reproductive number is one, that means one person will spread it to another person. If it's two, one person will spread it to two people. If it's five, one will spread it to five on average, right? You might have some super spreaders. That, will, that might spread it to 100, but you might also have some people that might only not spread it to anyone. But on average, it spreads it to that many. So in all cases, you know, once you get a little bit past one, it becomes a geometric progression. 
they're all geometric progressions and they all will, without anything to check it, will lead to massive numbers. It's just that the higher the reproductive number is, the faster it will happen. Uh, like for example, um, the flu that goes around every year, sometimes 10, 20, 30, 40% of, of the world's population will catch this flu and they might have only have a reproductive value of 1.25 or something like that. It doesn't have to be that, you know. So what social distancing measures need to do is they need to bring that reproductive number below one and, the, uh, and, and in order to be able to start to lower the, the yeah, case. So that each, each case, each new case will result in less than one other new right. case. So exactly. then you have, then you have a, a, a declining uh, uh, graph rather than an exploding graph. Any, anything above one, you get, you get a, a graph that's, that's going up. Right. Right. And exponentially, potentially exponentially, like you said, geometrically, right? Like, like it will, it'll double, it'll triple, right? Like it, it could get, it, it could potentially get worse and worse and worse. Um, that is, I, 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 I follow you on, on, on social media, but I, but I don't think I, I was familiar with that term. That is absolutely fascinating. And the other thing that's really relevant today is that the end number, the, the starting number, right? How many people are infected to start with? So if you have five, let's say two or three people infected in your population, then the reproductive number is two then two goes to four, goes to eight, goes to, you know, 16. Uh, if the reproductive number is five, then it goes from, you know, two to 10 to, you know, 25 and so on. It goes far, far faster. But wow. what if you start with 10,000? Right. And that's what makes, that's what makes Sturgis right. so dangerous because you've got a situation yeah. where, you know, uh, and the reproductive number, I think we have to clarify that that is impacted by social distancing. Right. Absolutely. Definitely. If you had a bunch of people in a room, you're going to have a, a given repro number that is just basically dependent on the virus itself, that the characteristics of the virus, because basically everybody in the room is going to be exposed to the aerosols from everybody else in the room. And they're going to get it at the maximum repro rate of the virus. Whereas if you if you take that same number of people and they're all in their houses, uh, no matter how virulent the virus is, you're going exactly. to get a lower repro number. And I think that's what people need to understand that there's an actual scientific basis to social distancing. It's not just oh, know, absolutely. some governor or, 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 or city official saying, we want you all to stay home. <laughs> Another way to look at it saying the same thing is the greater the connectivity, the greater the rate of increase. So and we live in a very interconnected world. So in the 21st century, uh, you know, without any kinds of measures to check it, a virus like this will just take over the world very, very quickly. Uh, uh, you know, and our value, and our, our not value of five without any social distancing, it would mean billions of people would be infected in a matter of a month. It'd yeah. be that fast. And, and right, and important, right, then we talk about a 1%, let's say a 1% mortality rate, and those numbers are appalling. Right? Staggering. Like, right, appall staggering, staggering. But, yeah, but it's worse than that. It's a lot worse than that because it's right. a 1% mortality rate but it's a 5% critical ICU rate. Right. 19% hospitalization need oxygen rate. Right. <laughs> so if you get rid of, if you get rid of that healthcare, that 1% is going to go way up. It's not going to wow. be 1%. So everybody that would have gone to ICU and you know, most of them would have survived with care, without care, none of them will survive or hardly anyone. Right. And that 19%, some of them will go into, will get worse and get into the ICU level and then die. Mm -hmm. So, with that, this is why you have to slow it down because if your hospital, your healthcare gets overwhelmed, that 1% turns to four, five, six, seven, 8%.
That is astonishing. And, and you know what? And I'd like to point this out um, um, because I'm the black guy here. I want to point out that like black, right. Black African-Americans are, are, are dying at, I mean, double the rate of, of everybody else. Right. And so, and not only that, these are folks without healthcare, right? So yeah. with a, like overwhelmingly people without healthcare, without, without decent health insurance. So, you know, like, and, and maybe you're on Medicaid, you're on Medicaid, fine, but there's not that many people on Medicaid, right? So right. most people are either, or, 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 or underinsured, right? They didn't even take it to the underinsured, right? So like, let's say you survive the, 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 the hospital, right? Um, you survive the experience. Now you're out. And by the way, there's also the long-term effects of COVID-19 that we just don't know yet. Yeah, right. We, people who survive, right? Like in, in, in recovery, we just don't know yet. And then now you have this perhaps potentially, uh, uh, outrageous, uh, medical bill. Right. Um, and, right. and, and now, right. That's going to put a damper, a long-term damper on, on individual's ability to sort of, to, to, to fully recover. And, and also just on the economy, just as a practical matter, as a practical matter, you're going to have people who aren't, who simply can't pay their hospital bills. And that, it, that, that, that's not good for any of us. It's, it's, it's devastating. It's devastating. And it's the same people that are also going to lose, you know, be unemployed. Right? Exactly. Exactly. You know, look at the professional class. The professional class has done really well in this pandemic. Yeah. Oh yeah. And their savings rate has gone way up. Exactly. It's it's a it's the workers. It's it's a low yep. low wage, low skill, you know, you know, working workforce. And that's uh, that also really taking a hit. That's the reason for the disparity between uh, uh, blacks, Latinos, and and mm-hmm. other minorities who are generally more likely to be in service professions that are considered yeah. essential. They are interacting with the public. They're making deliveries. They're 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 cleaning. They're doing all sorts of things that exposes them to the virus. They're also overrepresented in you know like not not necessarily nurses, but like but but uh, you know like hospital crews that come in. Right. You know, to Absolutely, and technicians. All various kinds of technicians, all up and down that scale, right? Taxi drivers, right. Uber drivers, uh, uh, you oh know, my God, you delivery, Amazon, yeah. you know, like, you name it. All of that, and and the other thing to think about before the pandemic even started, right? There was certain, there were clear disparities uh, between you know class disparities, racial disparities, ethnic Absolutely. disparities about health, and a lot of a lot of people, uh, marginalized people, have much harder, worse pre-existing conditions because they have not held health care. For their entire lives, and they have not been able to to take care of themselves. They haven't had good nutrition. There's food deserts all over the place in this country, right, in urban areas and so forth, where you can't get good food and so forth. And so we start off at a very, you know, you know, unequal level to begin with. And, and don't forget too that life expectancy has been declining for three or four years in this country, right? which is just so a healthcare, I mean, like we're in the rich. Come health? on, I mean, there, there's, there's no excuse for it, right? <laughs> That, well, that is that that is something that's just not part of the modern world, right? Advanced industrialized countries always see, and even if it's minuscule, they always see an increase in life expectancy. To have three or four years in a row of decrease is a signal that something is seriously wrong. Well, right? we know we know exactly what what it is, and we know that it is, um, you know, the the just dastardly economic policies that have been uh, put in place uh, for the last 40 years, really, since Ronald Reagan started all of this with his tax mm-hmm. cuts. Tax cuts, service cuts, and uh, you gradually hollow out the middle class. Unions have been uh, diminished. Uh, globalization has reduced the value of labor. 
And so you've, you've, got, a, a, you've got a declining uh, economic situation for the country. And that has now begun to, you know, for a while it was okay. People could, you know, they could borrow, you know, now pe people were working two, you'd have two incomes for a home. People could maintain their lifestyle that way. They would borrow uh, for a while. Real estate was going up and that was helping to fuel people's uh, uh, prosperity for, for, the, for the middle and upper middle classes, not for the poor. But, you know, there, so there were a lot of things that sort of were mitigating factors for a while, but now we're getting to the place where the mitigating factors are running dry. And yeah. you're seeing such a great point. And you guys, by the way, what you were saying earlier about religion, right? How was this accomplished? How, how do we take, how do we make this shift in political economy, right? From a social democracy into sort of neoliberal Reaganism. Mm -hmm. It was, it was done through the aid of religious ideology. Primarily, Absolutely. that was one of the main elements of it, right? To, oh yeah, you know, and and that needs to be looked at and ex and ex examined. Um, That's right. You can't talk about Reaganism without talking about evangelical Christianity. You the cannot moral talk majority. About the moral majority. You Jerry, cannot talk about those things separately. You yeah. cannot talk about those things separately. They are one and the same. That's a really great point, Joe, and it's so true. And also, you know, and and that was re sort of reimagined and repackaged during the Bush years, right? Um, and 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 very thoughtfully so. And and through and through Fox News, right? And 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 sort of the right wing ecosphere and, and, and right just that marriage of libertarian style conservative business types, right? You're Koch brothers, right? Your even even to a lesser extent, your Mitt Romney's and your Ryan, uh, your Paul Ryan's, right? That sort of crowd, the Atlas Shrugged crowd, and then the hardcore Christianity crowd. That unholy alliance is a lot of why we're here. Like it is a lot of why we're here. The right was able to herd their cats, right? They got. <laughs> That's a great fucking way. I love it. I love it with a national strategy, and they stuck to it. You know, over and they stuck to it for. 30, 40 years until all of a sudden we have what we have today, which is a fucking disaster. You know, I'm really worried about this country. Uh, I, I, I wake up in the morning. I think about what's, what's next. You know, it's, it's the progression that we've, we're seeing is just leading us off a cliff. And you guys know that. I mean, you've talked about it. Oh, it is. I mean, well, that, that, that's the reason we really started the show, because it's like, if we ever have any hope of turning this around, we have to change the ideas. We have to, you know, mm -hmm. we have to make people understand, you know, a lot of these things we've touched on so many points, you know, your, your point, uh, Joe, about the right wing and their, and their party discipline is key here because on the left, we don't have that. And no. uh, I, I got to tell you, like, I, I'm, I'm watching the same, I'm watching a replay here in 2020 of 2016, where you've got these people and they are, uh, uh, you know, this, it's, it, you know, it started out with Bernie supporters, but it's not just Bernie supporters because, um, you know, Bernie basically told everybody vote for Joe Biden. And and so and now vote for Hillary Clinton, by the way. And he vote for Hillary Clinton. Yeah, he said he both he said both times. And so his own supporters have broken away from him, broken away from him, and they're pushing this narrative they're like they're not voting for the lesser of evils. Uh, you know, they're oh. vote their conscience. You know, they're, oh. they're tired of neoliberalism and they're tired of oh. voting. You're hurting me, Sean. You're physically hurting me. Well, I, can I, feel, I, I, I can feel the words just slapping my fa fucking face every time I open my fucking Facebook account. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's to be examined there, right? It's the idea of, of hyper individualism right? mm -hmm. that's infused the left, not just the right. Wow, that's a great insight. Yes, yeah, so, so it's, it's the same reason the people the people on the right don't want to wear masks as the people on the left don't want to vote for Joe Biden. It's like I'm yeah. going to do my own thing. I don't care. Right. 
Exactly. Wow. I'm that's that's what's right a for me. great connection. Like, well, you know, what, what makes sense for me in my faith and in, in, in my political ideology. I, and I can't possibly, you know, you know, weigh people suffering greater than that, you know. Wow, man, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. It's just, and, and that goes back to the whole, you're talking about, we, like, like a few weeks ago, we talked to um, uh, Jordana, uh, Jordana Thigpen, and, and she mentioned the, the, the cult of the individual. And there's been a lot of those articles flying around. But that is like, that is that the cult of the individual is, is essentially a death cult, right? Because like, it's saying that like, we don't need society. We just, I get to do what I want to do. And that's what matters. And, and this is, and we talked about this at the top of the show, this thought, this kind of, this kind of thinking pervades left and right. And we're seeing it with the Biden trashers. We're seeing it right now. And it's just like, and again, it's this, it's this idea of measuring my freedom to against everyone else's right to be free from. So it's just like, look, you have, I get to do whatever I want and, and I don't care about human suffering. Right. Like, and I think we have to change the narrative where it's like, no, 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 we should be, we should care about reducing human suffering, not only because from some, even from an altruistic perspective, just because it makes our society run better and we yeah. all benefit from that. Right. Think right. of it in perfect, purely selfish terms. Here's how, here's how it goes for me. I mean, I, I've had, you know, I've had so many of these conversations that, you know, that I, like I, I experience physical pain, just like you do, you know, where I, <laughs> somebody, I said, if you're okay, so you're thinking about voting, uh, you know, for a third party writing in Bernie or whatever you want to do, right? Uh, you do realize that makes it more likely that someone like that, that, that Trump is going to get reelected or get elected in the first place. And that he's going to put people on the Supreme Court who are going to, uh, get rid of the abortion rights, get rid of voting rights, who are going to strike down Obamacare, who are going to do all these things that are going to hurt people. And you know what their response always is? Well, the Democratic Party shouldn't have run Hillary Clinton. Oh, God. I, 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 you're hurting me today, Sean. Sean, you're hurting me. You're hurting me. And I know it's not Why? you. Because I'm hurting you. You're, you're a conduit. You're a conduit for the for, for, for the for the for the uh, the misinformation bullets that I get that I absorb every yep. fucking day on Facebook, you know? infuriating so look at masks for example right there's a real asymmetry a very small sacrifice very minor minor inconvenience mm -hmm. on one end versus a huge benefit to society on the other but even right. that it's too much it's too much so because, true, they, dude. because of the way they perceive their moral universe it's very it's very it's centered on them and their right. freedom right versus right and how do you how do you break that spell? I mean, it's it's a spell that's been cast over, over you know centuries in that society, right? Absolutely. And, but it's really about self reflection at at some level, right? Okay, so here I am, you know, I'm not going to vote for Biden because he doesn't represent what I represent. He doesn't believe what I believe. And, he ha and how can I vote for somebody who does who's not like me, who doesn't believe the same things I do? Well, because if you don't. Right. The, the consequences of that are great human suffering. Great. Exactly. And could conceivably the loss of our democracy entirely, because right. what's happening is, is that is that every t each time these guys get in and they and they're able to stack the judiciary a little bit more, they're able to, you know, gut programs a little bit more. They're able to destroy a little bit more of the environment. It makes it that much harder that we'll ever recover from these things. I think that's a really important point. And like a couple of things that, that both of you have said um, resonated with me. I think that like, you know, oh God, now I've lost my train of thought. Hopefully I'll get it back. Hopefully I'll get it back. Um, 
Ah, it'll come back to me. Or it won't. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> we'll get back to it. We'll get back to it. Years ago, the idea that the society was going to, you know, over, become an overt fascist society would have been is was ridiculous. People would just scoff at that. Five years mm-hmm. ago, it would have been ridiculous. They would have laughed at you. Mm-hmm. Right? Again, it's a non-linear thing. Wow! Like all of these things come together, so every day determines the next day, and they accumulate and they accumulate and they accumulate, and all of a sudden, before you know it, you have this. You cross the threshold, and all of a sudden, you're falling off a cliff. Right. Oh, you and, know what I was going to say? I would go finish what you say, but I remember. I remember. I, 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 it's here. It's here. I think it's here. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I know, but I, I, you know, like a couple of things. Like what I, what I wanted, wanted to say earlier, you were talking about self reflection, and 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 that was really resonated with me because I, one of the things I've been thinking a lot about recently, and what I think does not happen enough, is because of this sort of cult of the individual, which is uh, very American, but it, I mean it's very human, obviously, but 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 it, but it's particularly pernicious in America and pervasive in America. But it's this idea, as and it also goes back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of, you know, it's my, this is what I believe. So therefore, um, everyone ought to respect that. We might have been talking about that before the show, but either way, like, I believe X, Y, and Z. And so therefore, that shouldn't be questioned. It's this idea that, like, I don't owe it to society anything, first of all, but certainly not to look at myself and consider how I'm impacting other people. And that is like, and and what I've seen, too, during the pandemic, um, Joe and Sean, is that, people that have been stuck inside, you these people who literally cannot sit with themselves, right? Like, like they're inside and they're losing their fucking minds. Like they, 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 because they've never been forced to just sit there and think about their own thoughts and like, and, and, and actually, and have no, and you know, that guy, David Dobson, that we're friends with on Facebook too, he mentioned this too. Like these guys have no, people have no inner life, right? Right. And, and when you don't have inner life, it's really easy then to overlook other people's suffering because you're not reflecting on yourself. You're not reflecting on how you impact other people, right? And so it's easy then to just look at other people out there as other independent agents that do not affect me and therefore I should not care about them. And then, of course, what I think is really ironic and it would be funny if it wasn't so sad is that this is what the religious people throw at atheists, right? <laughs> atheists follow. So true. They're not self-reflective. They're not thoughtful of others. They're not, you know, willing to put the uh, sacrifice uh, themselves for others. That, that that that's all based based on religion, right? That's all based on spirituality. Right. It's the furthest thing from the truth because I think a lot of a lot of atheists do self reflection. A lot of them. That's how they became atheists. Right. Well, it's absolutely it's inverted. This whole thing is inverted. I mean, they've got it completely upside down. They, 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 the insistence that, that the conceit of religion, uh, particularly in America, is that you cannot be moral uh, without being religious. And that, that that's the root of all of this. And so the implication is, is that if you're if you're if you're atheist, you have no morals, you know, but uh, it's it's a it's a completely bogus charge. I mean, uh, atheists think about humanity. We, we are focused on our lives and we are focused on the lives of others. You know, anybody who has any ethics is actually thinking about how their behavior impacts others. And, you know, that's, it, it's the old story that we uh, talk about. We've talked about it several times about, do you return your grocery cart? Right. That is the litmus test for, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, if, you're, if you're an ethical person, a lot of libertarians think that's somebody else's job. Let somebody exactly. else, you know, and because there's nothing that's going to happen to you. If you don't return your grocery cart, you're, you know, you don't get a ticket. Nothing happens. You're just an asshole. 
Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting because this actually gets to like that, that, that mindset as well that I've talked, we've talked about on uh, previously on the show, I think, Sean, and it's this idea that, right, I'm wearing the mask because the rules tell me to, or I'm social distancing because the rules tell, tell me to, as if like, right, there has to be some sort of outside, like sort of pressure forcing one to behave well. Otherwise, I shouldn't behave well. I should just behave however I want to behave, right? And 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 so and and that is also the sort of conceit, right, behind religion, right? The whole sort of basis of it is that there is a God out there who is just always watching me, right? And so that is why I should behave well. well on the other hand, a humanist, not even an atheist, even just a humanist, says, well, you know, maybe I should just want to do this because it's good to, re- to, to, to reduce human suffering. That is a good outcome. And beyond that, even if I don't want to do it for other people, even if I want to make it completely about me, and I, can't, I said this earlier and I want to say it again, is that our, as a society, we are all better off when we when, when we try to reduce human suffering, right? There's, Things are less expensive, right? Like, like people have more healthcare, therefore healthcare go, prices go down, right? Like we all win, everybody wins. Yeah. And you know what else dovetails with this, right? All my life mm-hmm. I've been hearing conservatives, you know, diss liberals for not having personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, another ass. great connection. Another great, man, you're, you're on fire. You're on fire. This is great. I mean, Prove it. Be, be responsible. Well, it's it's, 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 it's it Christoph's favorite saying is the bottomless pit of bad faith coming from yes, people. yes. That's one of my faves. Bottomless pit of bad faith. It's like they, like they, they you know and and, and it's like. And, and you talked about this earlier too, Joe, where you were saying, right, like these same people will walk out and say, like, I don't believe in science, but here's a scientist that we have to make the to make right. to make the argument. So it's like, so right. what is it? What is it? Right. And and, and, and the same thing happens uh, with with the, with COVID-19 in general. It's like, no, COVID, like, right. COVID-19 doesn't work. COVID-19 is bullshit. It's a, it's just a regular flu. Da, 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 da. But also they'll make other arguments. Right. That they make other arguments that, like that, that acknowledge its existence, but but it's not as bad. Right. Or, or right. right. So COVID-19 either doesn't exist or it does exist, but it's only one percent mortality. But 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 but, but the, the consistent intellectual con- consistency is just yeah. not part of it, not part of the, the equation. You know, it's fallback position after fallback position that they exactly. have. That's what it is. Right. It's it's a you know, sort of confirmation bias on steroids, because what they want to look for is something to confirm their belief it doesn't matter where it comes from so nope. if, if, they're, if they're not you know if they don't jive together if they're, if they're contradictory it doesn't matter because it can it's something they can use to to argue their point and that's all they care about right i don't believe masks are any good they don't work so whether it comes from science or religion or whatever any evidence that i can cherry pick i will use right? so true and it's so petty. It's so petty. Like this is, it is the easiest thing in the world. You know, we've got, we have, we have several masks and you know, I got a Star Trek one and I got a Rush one. I got like all my favorite things I got on the mask, you know, and it's like, so it's kind of fun. I made a little game out of it when we go outside sure. and put this thing on and it's like, it's a little expression of your personality, like a t-shirt. Exactly. And uh, so uh, I, it's, I don't understand why, you know, um, people would be so petty as to endanger the literal lives of others. And, and I, the, only, the only thing I can come up with is that it is a, it's an issue of tribal signaling. They don't want to be seen as weak mm-hmm. or as compliant. There's mm-hmm. a fear behind it. Because, I mean, think about it. With climate change, 
it, the issues are complex, right? To understand climate change requires a, lot, a fair amount of sophistication. But how much sophistication does it take to understand that a, a virus can causes you to get infected, and the closer you are to somebody, the more likely that is? Right? That's I mean, the most basic thing. Right? Like how, everybody understands they're catching a cold. Right. I mean, this is not hard. This is like very basic common sense human experience stuff. But mm-hmm. yet they can, can, can still believe that there's no correlation. There's no, there's no cause, causal effect even, right, between, you know, distance and the, 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 the chance of you catching something from an infectious, you know, agent. Well, how, can, how, do, you, how yeah. do you get to that point? I, I, it, it baffles me. I remember like early on and I was thinking to myself, you know, because I, I remember, you know, reading about the virus because, you know, initially when this first time I was got really interested, want to know exactly how it worked and how big it was and everything. So I'm like, OK, this I, I forget the figure now, but it's a certain number of microns, you know, is the size of the virus. And uh, uh, the pores in masks are much larger than that. So I'm thinking, well, how the hell does a mask stop a, a virus that's that small? And then I realized the key factor is that these viruses travel in water droplets. Exactly. Mm. They travel and the water droplet is much bigger. It might have thousand, a thousand virus particles inside mm-hmm. one little tiny water droplet. Right. That will be absorbed by the cloth of the mask and it, it stops goes. the transmission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is, you know, if you're not wearing a mask, water droplets full of virus particles come out and they immediately evaporate. And then the virus particles are now free floating. Right? That's right. That's right. And, and, and that's incredibly tiny and they can suspend. And that's why this is, this is uh, you know, you can catch this from six feet is bullshit. I mean, it helps to be six feet apart, but you can catch this in a room if it was not much circulation, 50 feet apart. Right. There was actually, there was a, there was a study that was done in China and it had to do with uh, air conditioning. And uh, it had to do, there was, there was one that was done in an office and they documented 50 foot transmission through air ducts. And there was another one that was in a restaurant where they figured out who was sitting at what table in the restaurant and where the air conditioning ducts were. And they figured out that the par- particle made its way over. And so that is why we cannot have restaurants and bars open. We cannot right. have offices open. We cannot have any place open where people congregate indoors for long periods of time. If you get in, get out, like grocery store, that's, uh, that's okay. But if you're, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead, no, Joe. and so the reason why it's not nearly as infectious outside is I think it, what's what's starting to be coming kind of it's still a controversial, but you need a certain threshold of virus particles. It's not just in one or two, right? So if you're outside, it's very diluted. So you might catch a few virus particles from somebody breathing next to you, but it's not going to be at the same concentration. And the mm-hmm. higher the concentration, so if you get infused with let's say a thousand virus particles, and they start to multiply, a thousand goes to two thousand to 4,000, to 8,000. If you start with two, it goes two, four, eight. It takes a long time to get to 1,000. Right, right. By the time it gets to 1,000, your body's had a a few days to build antibodies and shit. But if you get 1,000 all at once, those two days are gone. You don't have those. You're going to get sick a lot faster. So even if you take precautions and they're not perfect and you do get exposed, a smaller exposure means that you're less likely to get sick. And if you do get sick, you're less likely to have a serious illness. Right? So what you're basically saying, what you're basically saying, Joe, is 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 that um, every little bit helps. Every little bit of right. helps. Right. It helps. That's why. That's why these little. These, these, right. Just go ahead. Sorry, Joe. It helps at an individual level for each one of us, but it also helps the societal level because mm-hmm. it reduces the spread overall. 
Yeah, absolutely. And like, and, and like, right. And it, this is something that I, that it, where we, we, we've talked a lot about uh, f- like bad thinking during this, dur- during this episode and, uh, and, and, and non and scientific illiteracy in this, in during this uh, episode. And I think one of the things that I think of that is, that is hard for people to grasp around is the idea of exponentiality. Right. And like, like, right. The idea that like, they, they, you know, not everything just operates and like right, our lives as human beings are linear. So like, that is how, right. We're corporeal, linear, carbon-based life forms. Right. So like, that's the way we think about the world. There's a beginning, there's an end and things just be, and things sort of go along progressively. I go from being zero to, to 20 to 50 to hunt to yeah. dead. Right. And that's just how it works. Right? right. But like, but that's not how viruses work. And in fact, that's not how a lot of the natural world works, right? Things don't operate that way. And right. so one person, it's not like one-to-one transmission, right? We talked about that, right? And, it's, and, and I, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm so concerned, you know, and we've talked a lot about concern on this show too, about how we as Americans um, and Westerners are socialized and turn to, to, to understand these issues. And especially in America, where there's such emphasis on, you know, religious education and in, in, uh, at home and also um, and lack of scientific rigor in the classroom. It is so easy that we're just we're basically breeding people who just don't understand this stuff. And it's just so dangerous. And we're seeing it right now. We are. Here's one thing that, uh, that, that I, that I, uh, the way I, way I think about it is that, you know, you don't need to wait for like what's happening. Uh, we, we can predict what's going to happen. Uh, we, we knew that if we social distance, that the pandemic would, would fall. And it did. Um, some people were saying, well, that, that was that outcome was unknown. No, it wasn't unknown. It was absolutely. <laughs> known. No, we don't have to wait. It's just like with climate change. You know, we don't have to wait 30 years to find out that we're, we're in deep, deep shit. We already exactly. know exactly same thing with COVID. And, and I think, I think at this point I should, um, I should, I should let you talk Joe about, you know, what, where are we going? Like, what's going to happen here? Because you got to put on your, you know, you, know you, you were the one who, who sounded the alarm earlier. What's happening now? So here's the thing. This virus is manageable. It can be managed, right? There's plenty of evidence in the world that shows that, but it's challenging. It's very difficult to manage. You have to do things right. You have to have the right measures to do it, and you have to be consistent. So the incredible thing is that we can beat this. We could. We could do it. We could, we could shut down the country, have a very serious you know, social distancing measures for a month, and we could be where you know, other countries are today, like you know, and so forth. So that's one scenario. The other scenario is that we give up on social distancing because of this ideological insanity that's happening. And then the virus actually, the R, the R value goes up mm-hmm. and this thing spreads really fast. And all of a sudden our healthcare system is overwhelmed and that feeds back on itself. And all of a sudden the, the death rate increases and we start to get millions dead, right? And so could we that could, I mean, people just can't wrap their heads around that. Could that happen? Could we have millions of Americans dead because of this? Absolutely. We could have a billion people in the world dead because of this, right? We could. Astonishing. Not that I'm saying that's going to happen. Right, 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 right. Obviously it could happen, right? It's, it, what's unpredictable is not the virus itself. We, know, we understand the properties of the virus pretty well. What's mm. unpredictable is what we do about it. That's what's right. unpredictable. But you see, what we're doing about you see what we're not doing about it right now. And you got Sturgis and you got kids going back to school. I mean, give us really, give us your, your. Right, so if, if things stay the way they are, uh, I, I, I can't, I can't see not breaking seven figures of death in this country. 
I, I don't, I, I, we may, we hopefully will get, we'll get a, um, you know, some really good antivirals that will mitigate that. Hopefully we'll get a vaccine eventually, but the vaccine at first is not going to be all that good. You know, the chances mm-hmm. of this vaccine being like 80 or 90 or eight, uh, 95% effective are very, very tiny. If it's mm-hmm. 70% effective, we'll be really lucky. Wow. Right? You know, because it's happening too fast. I mean, future vaccines will be better, but the right, first one right. come out. 40, 50, 60% effective, probably, right? And people have to take it. So the vaccine's not going to be a panacea. It's not going to solve this, right? It'll help, just like the antivirals will help. And, you know, using, uh, you know, antibody blood uh, serums and so forth, all that stuff will help. We've learned how to lower the death rate already quite a bit, actually. Mm. And, we, and we have medicines that's coming online that will help even more to lower it below 1%, even significantly below. But that's if we keep the hospitals going. If, if that doesn't happen, then it doesn't matter what medicines we have, or what techniques we've discovered, people are gonna die in, in large numbers. So uh, we're right at that threshold right now. I think I see, I can't make any predictions because I think we're right at that threshold. We could go, we, we haven't been as bad as we could be. We've done a lot of things right, honestly. Uh, but yet we've done a lot of things wrong. And so this makes, you know, this election even more critical. Mm-hmm. Because if we can get somebody, a rational person, it doesn't matter whether they're neoliberal or whatever the fuck they are, if they're mm-hmm. rational, right, we can mm-hmm. stop this. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And it's the same, you know. Listen to the science. Just listen to the science. That's all the president has to do. Just listen to the yeah. science instead of making it about him, making these just personal, you know, like, oh, you know, I don't like Fauci and I don't like, you know, and, right. and, and she criticized me and he, you know, right. this kind of petty nonsense. It's, it's Fertile, personal vendettas. That's the upside. The downside is, you know, we can't expect that even Biden does win. And if we take back the White House and the Senate, Congress and all that, the, that, the movement that we're struggling against, right? The Trump movement and all of these mm-hmm. other elements that we've been talking about are just going to be infuriated by that. Yeah, they're going, oh they're going, it's going to be a challenge to deal yeah. with that, a massive challenge. So you know, obviously we want the Democrats to win, but let's not fool ourselves. This is going to be right. when it comes to this pandemic. People aren't just going to start wearing masks because it's Biden one. <laughs> they're not going to take the vaccine. You, so you, true. You think it's hard to uh, get people to wear a 50 cent mask, right? Uh, try getting them to take the vaccine in large numbers. Oh, my God. Exactly. I've, I've heard a lot of liberals say, I'm not taking the vaccine as long as Trump's in office. You know, it's like because right. they don't trust him. And, and you have the whole new age movement, too, right? With the anti-vaxxers. As well, well. The conspirituality. Like, I don't know if you know. Do you, have you heard of Matthew Remsky? No, I don't think so. I, I got to give a shout out to Matthew Remsky because he is a um, he, he's a he's a guy who was in a he was in a, uh, a cult for a while and he got out of the cult and he started talking about, you know, cult techniques and, and mind control and all these things. And uh, he's big into the yoga movement. He's actually a yoga instructor. And um, uh, he started he had a lot of people on his list who were, you know, full of these of these conspiracy theories and about, you know, all of this. And, oh, if you just have a strong immune system, if you think positive thoughts, you know, you're going to be you're going to be OK. And so he started this whole uh, podcast called the Conspirituality Podcast. And it's really mm-hmm. good. He gets right. on. There and he, 
Yeah, he he, he really uh, and, and and it's a great it's it's a it's a great illustration too of how religion and conspiracy thinking are you know are are just right in the same. I mean, they they occupy the exact same mental space for people. And, and so you've got these, the, the, the just world fallacy, uh, purity, like everybody thinks, oh, my child is pure and all these other kids are contaminated and it just goes on and on and on. And I'm not, I'm not going to contaminate my special child with this vaccine, you know? Right. And so Matthew Remsky has been really doing good work, uh, uh, uh highlighting this. And he's, t- he's gotten a lot of pushback on his wall from, from people who are into this and who are, you know, yoga believers and new age believers. And, and they are very, very upset that he's calling. Well, them. I, have, I have to admit, I used to teach uh, holistic medicine at one point and I was involved enmeshed in that world. And there's, the hyper individualism in it is just as extreme as, as you see on the right. Mm-hmm. I mean, like there's a shaming that goes on. If you're sick, it's your right. fault. Well, yeah, and, and that that victim blaming uh, is 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 again part of the just just world fallacy. It's it's like you know you didn't you didn't eat right or your immune system absolutely. And and that how is that different from fascism, right? You you have the same the same idea. You've got the, the strong and the strong will survive. And if you're if you're weak, it's your fault and you'll die. It, it's yeah. you know, you know, it's really interesting. I, I can just pile on here on in many ways, but I, in my my narrow experience as a young person, I, I, I as a young person in, in my very early adulthood, I had a lot of problems with drugs, and I was in Alcoholics Anonymous for a while. And we could start ranting, and 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 and, and it's a very similar sort of mindset. Um, you know, um, and I understand that it helps a lot of people. And look, if, if you're out there and it helped you, good for you. But I'm just saying that, like, and 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 in fact, it helped me um, back then. Um, uh, but the the point is that like you know this idea of of like if you go out and drink right like you know you're not sober when you fall off the wagon or whatever then that there's something wrong with you right you right. have you haven't done the work you haven't been gone to enough meetings you haven't been good enough with your sponsor but it's always this sort of oh, like this the same sort of shaming and the people and you know and I, I read an amazing book about this and then people don't like it it, it makes people not want to go back to it actually because right mm-hmm. because like the shame is so strong you have to start from zero again right yeah, everything all the work you may have been sober for 20 years and all that stuff goes right out the window and you are just a little baby again right and and and, 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 and it has a lot of those same tenets as these sort of like spiritual communities are very very similar now i i I, there's a lot of great things about holistic medicine diet uh mind body practices you know all this stuff but what i I used to tell my students like you know what you can you can you can exercise you can get strong you can learn to climb trees you can you can learn to fight better but i'll tell you if there's a tiger out there it's going to want to eat you and you're in the jungle he's going to eat you no matter how strong you get Right? And this virus is like a tiger. It doesn't matter what you do, right? You you could be you could do all the mind, body, nutrition stuff, whatever. You could be just as vulnerable as any as as somebody who's really out of shape and sick and, and so forth. You could. Right. I mean, and and what happens is they get this. You get this mentality. Oh, if I do these things, it'll make me invulnerable. Yes. I don't need vaccines. I can just eat, you know, better and and exercise and do yoga and you know whatever and that's the way how i'm going to deal with it and then you know something like this comes around you know i tell them like okay you 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 honor and you worship shamans you know and and all this stuff from native american culture and so forth well guess what happened when smallpox came to north america with everybody else right yeah like, exactly all the shamans got sick exactly um, you know, you 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 got to ground it in reality. 
It, mm-hmm. it, it's it's really actually very beneficial stuff. I mean, it really teaches you a lot about yourself and so forth. It can be unless it's enmeshed in this sort of magical thinking that happens. That's and, so and then important. Like I say, you know. Well, magical thinking across the board is the enemy of science. It's the enemy of reality. It's like, uh, it, you know, it, and we could go, we could go round and round about this. I think we, we're, we're about an hour and a half now, I think. So, um, ah, yeah. But uh, this just flies when you're talking to really interesting and smart people. I yeah. just want to say one thing about the, vir- the pandemic is don't listen to me. All I'm doing is telling you what the real experts are saying, listen to them, learn to listen to the experts mm-hmm. and the real experts, you know, the virologists and the epidemiologists and not, you know, not the cardiologists. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No one cares what the cardiologist has to say about this. Listen to the people who know how viruses can spread and how you can stop their spread. Not Sanjay Go Gupta. CNN? Not Sanjay Gupta. Well, Sanjay's pretty good, but no, he's actually a really smart guy. I mean, yeah. I think he's really great. And CNN's a great channel in general. But yeah. I'm just, I'm you know, just he joking. was asked to be the Surgeon General, and he refused it. What's that? He was asked to be the Surgeon General. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah. I had no idea. No shit. I, it might have been Obama in the first, if I don't remember correctly, but he, he said, no, you wanted to stay with, with you know, um, with media. Wow. You know, guys, it's been it's been awesome. I really uh, I am grateful for for you inviting me. It's been a pleasure and an honor. We're certainly happy to have you. And by the way, I didn't get to talk about my T-shirt. Don't listen to anybody who pronounces this Yosemite. Okay, that's all I had to say. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right, everybody. Thanks for uh, watching the Radical Secular and we will see you next week. Take care, guys. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to The Radical Secular, a podcast dedicated to the separation of church and state. For full video episodes, please subscribe to our YouTube channel.